Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman, and you know I'm glad that you're joining us. So every week as you tune in and you listen to the show, I really hope between my guests and I, we help you change that mindset or that vibe that sales is this persuasive kind of manipulative um, job or position. And it's that's the furthest thing from the truth. And my guests and I, I think as we have our conversations, we share how really sales is an honorable job that Amen. we can uh, really truly share our expertise with a client and help them with a solution. To help you on your journey of changing that mindset, I have a free gift for you. It is my free communication style assessment. You will get two reports. The first one, your natural superpowers of how you are perceived as you communicate with others. Flip side, you'll get a second report, which really shines a light on your lowest score or probably your biggest blind spot as it relates to communicating with others. So again, the link is in the show notes, my gift to you. Please take advantage of it um, to help you navigate, again, wherever you are in your career and business. Also, if you're loving the show, which I hope you are, please rate and review. I read the reviews and I'm so touched by some of the um, expressions that people share with me. So again, rate, review, and of course, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, my motivational quote today is by John C. Maxwell. And John says, intentional living is about living your best story. And I have to share, you know, as a business owner for the past two decades, I've often had maybe this love-hate relationship with my business. At times, it felt like it literally took over my life. And other times I was able to sit back and build a life that supported or was supported by my business. So kind of cool. What's been the common denominator of which side of this love-hate relationship I fall on? Me. So the answer is simple. <laughs> I, was, I was clearly the common denominator. And here's what I found. The clarity of my goals, uh, the, fo- the daily, my focus of my daily efforts, my personal mindset, and so many other factors really have impacted the results Again, on both sides of the coin, right? My personal and my business life. So how do we determine the correct next steps to create that life, business, and or career that we absolutely love? Well, of course, you're in store for a a special guest today. My guest is Alex Linsky. Um, Alex is the founder of Prospecting on Demand, Heart Surgery Survivor, and former UFC and Miami Dolphin media member. He has a dec- he has a decades-long journey to building out a mastermind community for agency owners, coaches, entrepreneurs alike to build a business that better facil- facilitates their life. So Alex, thanks for coming on. And man, this is an important topic for us. Yeah, absolutely, Connie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful to be here. Yeah, I heard you laugh at my what's the common denominator, right? Me, let me raise my hands. It's a reality check, right? We we Amen. we are the good, the bad, and the ugly. We've got it all going. On. Absolutely agree. I totally understand that. You know, in terms of taking over, uh, you know, being responsible for ultimately identifying, you know, what your satisfaction level is, your happiness, uh, what makes it good, bad, or ugly, or otherwise. Uh, I think there's a lot of scapegoatism, uh, pretty common in society today. But if we take a little bit more responsibility for ourselves on the things we can control, uh, I think we'll end up ultimately being a lot better as a you know human race, but also individually uh, feeling a lot more accomplished um, to be able to achieve the things that we want in our life. Yeah. And the scary thing is you use the word control. We can't control everything. So you really have to be discerning when you're looking at a situation, financial relationship, whatever it is, economy, can I control it? If I can't, 
do I need to put my energy towards that? Right. That's, that's that balance that we really, really need to find. And I, I like how you said the human race, because we're, we're freaking hot mess out there in my opinion. <laughs> yes. The facts. But yeah. Right. So, so, all right. So let's talk about the, the hustle culture that I, I think is more prominent in the U S but I'm seeing it with my colleagues around the world. So do you Absolutely. buy into that, you know, go, go, go kind of culture that we live in? No, definitely not. Uh, definitely not. I'm, I'm writing a book actually right now called the Anti-Hustlers Handbook, um, which is all about uh, the complete opposite model of hustle, hustle, hustle. What we find oftentimes in the hustle culture is just people uh, pursuing goals that are not actually defined whatsoever. People use ethereal goals or undefined goals based off of you know, like motivational speakers um, you know, people like Gary Vaynerchuk or uh, Jocko Willink or uh, David Goggins or Grant Cardone or whoever they're following at that time, um, they get inspired by the idea of more. And so we live in, especially in America, in what I would call a capitalist imperialist society. So the, the idea is not to achieve a certain revenue number, it's to achieve more. The problem with more inherently is that it's a ever moving goalpost. So when you get more, you want more. When you climb a certain mountain, there's a bigger mountain to climb. When you catch a big fish, there's a bigger fish to catch. When you get a big deal, you want a bigger deal. Uh, that's just the only method of what hustle culture is all about. There's no definitive clarification of what success is. And when there is, it's usually based off someone else's definition. And then we wonder why so many entrepreneurs, even though they enact their own agency, their choice, why they're so burnt out, stressed, frustrated, as you noted, like the common denominator is, is them. They're wondering why if I chose this path, Instead of working for a boss or being a managerial position or having a franchise where I have these restrictions and responsibilities, instead, I have built my own business and my own method and my own process and my own vision and my own image. And yet I'm still frustrated and burnt out and lack of fulfilled and anxious and stressed and confused and irritated and not excited. And we wonder why that's the case. And usually that's because of undefined goals based off of hustle culture, whether it's either comparing yourself to other people, counting their pockets or being concerned about what they're doing online, which is obviously heinous and uh, a cancer of our society as it currently stands. And then the the other side would be People that feel like um, they're allowing themselves to be defined by someone else. Like, oh, if you know, if I don't have a yacht or I don't have a two hundred million dollar house, then I'm a failure. And so, my recommendation for anyone that I work with is the anti-hustle approach is defining. Right. So, I'm a big believer of the three step process to define design and do. Defining is identifying very clearly what you want. Instead of saying, I want to be financially free, identify what that number is. Clarify, okay, how much is my monthly expenses that I need? If we're going to consider that I should have one and a half times my monthly expenses to feel really comfortable, that's good. What are the extra expenses I want to consider? Where do I want to travel? What car do I want to buy? What house payment do I want to put down? What are things that I need? And then you have a calculator that just tells you based off of your monthly expenses times one and a half plus your desired expenses, how much money you need to make. And that becomes a defined financial freedom goal versus financial freedom, which is an undefined goal. It's like if you were playing football and your goal is to get into the end zone, but every time you pass the one yard line, you automatically go back to the 50 yard line and you can never get in the end zone. And that's what entrepreneurship is like when your goal is 
financial freedom because it's never defined. And that's very dangerous. So defining financial freedom. And then the other main definition is usually most entrepreneurs want this goal of financial freedom and time freedom. But once again, time freedom is, is undefined. Everyone's time freedom might be different. Maybe your time freedom is you don't want to work uh, on Fridays afternoon. Maybe you want to uh, work only five hours every single day. Maybe you want to stop working on Saturdays. Like that might be someone's scenario that works every day of the week or you want to stop working on Saturday. You are only one that gets to define what time freedom is, even though inherently as a collective unit, the reality is most entrepreneurs want time freedom. But if you do a survey, everyone will define it differently. So defining is the first step of the anti-hustle process. Define your goals very clearly, which requires hard work and, and actually takes deep work to do. It's not just magically going to happen. The reason why I see Connie people not actually defining is usually one of two things. One, they're afraid that they don't actually know what's going to make them happy, or two, that they'll make these astronomical goals that they'll never achieve. And what I've often found is we're not in a short-term game here. We're playing a long-term game as entrepreneurs and as human beings to identify and clarify what time freedom is to you and what you know success means to you financially. Ultimately, what you have to identify is what is the last time that I was really truly happy or successful in my mind, let's make that the minimum KPI and then go from there. And if you get there and you realize, I'm still not that satisfied, then you can move the goalpost. Then you can identify a next goal. That's not a failure. It just means, okay, now we have to optimize just like anything else in life. We have to optimize to figure out what that is. On the alternative spectrum, if you're someone that is, well, I I don't know if I'm ever going to achieve the things that would make me happy. There's this concept of, you know, shooting for the moon, but landing on the stars, right? So ultimately, if if you identify that you want to have a $100 million house in Newport Beach, and you want to have a Bugatti and a Lamborghini, right? But you end up having a modest home, uh, you know, in South Florida, that's a $2 million home, and you have a Mercedes-Benz S-Class instead of a Bugatti, and you find out that you're the most happy you've ever been, right? So you, you, you don't have to expect something of yourself that's unreasonable just because you've heard BHAG thrown around every entrepreneurial event you've been to. And BHAG is like big, hairy, audacious goal if you haven't heard it. You don't have to try to be Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Those are one in six billion type people. Um, and it's okay. You're not a failure if you're not those people. It's totally fine. And you don't have to sacrifice everything uh, in your life to try to be those people. And if you want to, that's fine. But it's coming at the cost of your mental health, your personal relationships, your life as someone that had heart surgery at 29 years old, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying it's definitely not worth it. So that's the define element. The design and do elements are pretty simple. Designing is simply identifying, okay, I have a goal here. What are the activities that get to the milestones to get there? So I have activity one gets to me to milestone. Activity two gets me to milestone. And it's just a yellow brick road to achieve your specific goals. That becomes your custom roadmap, not someone else's roadmap, not someone else's game plan, not some guru's model, your model, because you get to define because that's your opportunity as an entrepreneur. And then lastly is the hustle part of anti-hustle, which is do. The thing is hustle tells you to not define, not design, because they're already defined and designed elsewhere by someone else. Someone else will give you the roadmap somehow, impossible, yeah. but somehow that happens. And so instead we just do, and we just do, and we just do, and we just do until you burn yourself out or like metaphorically put yourself into a puddle of, of nothing. You're just, you have nothing left. You're bleeding at the core. You, you have no more cup to be filled. You, you've, you've overstayed your welcome, if anything, and just keep pushing yourself and grinding yourself thinking, oh, I work better with my back against the wall. I work better when I sleep four hours. I work better when I see my kid only twice a day or twice a week, or I work better, you know, when I, 
work at midnight. Like it just doesn't make any sense, right? So you identify what you want in the define, design, do format. That's what anti-hustling is all about. And I'll just wrap with this comment of, I don't get to define what you want. I don't get to design what you want. I don't do what you get to do. I'm not the one that's telling you what to do. I'm just giving you the roadmap to build it for yourself versus letting someone else tell you what that is. So if you're you know, inspired by David Goggins yelling at you to work harder, then do that. If you find that weird and not comfortable for you, you're not weird. That's okay. You're just you. Find what matters for you and what works for you and be radically comfortable with actually designing and defining what you really want in your life. That's what anti-hustle is about. You know, and, and there's, there was so much in that. And I didn't want to interrupt you because it was so succinct and clearly not your first rodeo, right? So that was beautiful, <laughs> the way you. and the examples you gave. And, and every, so I didn't want to stop you. But, but here's, here's just a couple of observations on my part. We, I feel like a lot of these um, consultant coaches, whatever, my program works. And it worked for you. That's a wonderful thing. I could see your success. That doesn't mean it's going to work for me. Right. So whenever I go into my clients and, and it's so funny because I say, well, okay, I have the infrastructure of what you need to do to build a culture and all the moving parts that we need to identify. But then you determine what are your values? What is your mission statement? What do you want your employees doing at the end of the day? What do you want that client experience to feel like? Right. Not what I think, it's what you think. And then once we define that, you have that vision of what your organization wants to deliver to their client. Then I can help you saying, okay, well, let's look at that CRM system. I don't have a preference, right? But let's look at what do we want that CRM system to do so we could support the client journey that you're envisioning. So as soon as people hear the word customize, they know it's going to be a fortune. No, it's not. It's not. I cannot go in and tell a company, this is what you should do because this is what's going to be successful. What's their demographics? You know, where are they in New Jersey? Are they in Florida? Are they in California? It's going to be different. So I get really, really concerned when my private clients, my business, my entrepreneurs um, hire me and they're like, oh, I bought this program and this program and this program. And I sit there and think, well, okay, why? (laughs) Just tell me why. What is your expectation with all of these programs? How are you going to pull them together? But you have to make them yours because it's your business. You're exactly what you're saying, your vision. But I think that we're chirping in the ear constantly of, oh, this works over here. They won a million dollars or or they built a, a three bazillion dollar business. They're selling the dream. They're not really selling what is going to work for you, the individual business owner or whatever. So I like yours because, again, here's the structure. I could give you the structure. You have to fill in the blanks because your business, your your life, do you have one kid? Do you have 10 kids? Right. All of that will impact the decisions you make. And I just want to share one more quick story. My husband and I were away over the weekend um, at, a, at a conference for him. And I went because I could work from anywhere and wanted to meet his peeps, right, his colleagues, et cetera. And the one gentleman, a little behind us, he has a one, three and five year old, lovely, lovely guy. And as we were talking, you know, exactly this hustle that you're talking about. And he said to us, my husband and I are, are you know, much older. Our kids are, are men. And I said to him, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling guilty when you're away from your kids. Then when you're with your kids, you're feeling guilty that you're not working. W- what are you doing? <laughs> like, 
where's the logic in that? And he says, I know, but how do you stop? And I said, you can only set the boundaries that you could set and you have to define what those boundaries look like. So, you know, when you're with your kids, if you're truly present, why are you thinking about work? Because you're really enjoying the kids at that moment. Even if it's two hours a day, you have that quality time versus that quantity of time where you're sitting around on your phone, right? So again, this balance, I think we have to determine what it is for us, the individual, the business owner, the employee, whatever it is. And then one, I have one more question for you, which I'm curious your take on this. So recently I have a 23, 26 year old uh, boys living at home, saving money, which is a beautiful thing. COVID kind of threw everything off for them. My younger son, the 23 year old, he's unsure of what the next step is. He's unsure of what that career looks like. And he kept saying, I want financial freedom. And so my husband and I were like, well, what does that mean to you? Like, And he could define it, which I was really proud of him. Are you seeing that the younger generation, they were almost sold a bag of goods in college. You can be anything you want to be. Live your passion and you'll get paid for it. And now I feel like they're coming out confused. So just curious your take on both things that I just shared. You know, the the gentleman with kids, my my son, and then where my husband and I are, right? It matters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to start with like the college portion, you know, when you go to college 17, 18, 16, 17, 18, and they're basically like, okay, what do you want to major in? Um, you know, what do you want to do when you're grown up kind of basically is, is what they're telling you. Now you're going to put four years into it. You know, my story is kind of one of those, um, you know, potential examples of like, it just not working the way I'd hoped. My initial intention was, oh, I'd become an attorney. Um, but then my senior year of high school, you know, I did an externship and the attorney I worked with was really like school of hard knocks kind of guy. He was not roses and daisies. Oh, everything life is great. It's so easy. He's like, being an attorney sucks. This is why I didn't want to do it. I wish I didn't have to do it. I feel like I'm in prison, blah, 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 blah. And so it really turned me off from wanting to become an attorney. So then I thought, okay, I want to become a psychologist. I'm a natural empath. I love how the human mind works. I love studying that in in high school. So I'll I'll go do that. And so because I'm a, you know, a very learned person, I'm very academic person. You know, I worked really, really hard to be successful. And I graduated magna cum laude from University of Central Florida, but it doesn't, it didn't matter. No one cared about that. My mom cared about it, but no one else cared about it. I was proud of myself, but it didn't do anything for my career. If anything, it was negative. You know, it would have been actually better if I didn't work as hard and I got you know, regular grades, essentially, instead of trying to be top 5% or whatever that number was, because what ended up happening was when I graduated school, I was so burnt out that the idea of going to grad school was impossible. There was no possible way that I was going to add more time uh, to go back to school um, to just kind of go through the ringer again. It was just unreasonable. And so leaving school, it just felt like, wow, I wasted four years uh, overworked myself without making one cent. And in fact, I worked, but paid for work basically, which was terrible for education that I probably wouldn't use. I did end up using it in, in my business ultimately. And, um, and then I started, you know, a new entrepreneurial career, um, you know, in, in marketing and, and coaching sales and becoming a salesperson and like learning all of those elements. But it's very challenging, you know, as, this idea of like, you can do anything you set your mind to. I was the one when I was younger, like I I really just refused uh, that type of logic because I would rather um, be the contrarian of like, I can't fly at the top of a building if I wanted to, or I can't be a NASA scientist because I'm not good at, you know, engineering, et cetera. Like 
um, which is fair, but also like I was kind of losing sight of what the purpose of the the message was. And so when I graduated college and felt at a loss, you mentioned at the beginning that I used to work with the UFC and Miami Dolphins. I'm a really big sports fan. I have been my whole life, diehard Miami Dolphins fan. Um, and so one of the things that I was thinking about was maybe I could create a career in like sports journalism. I like writing and I love sports. I know a lot about it. So why don't I give that a shot? But I didn't know how to start. And and this is essentially where, you know, hustle culture I was ingrained into was, well, if you if you can do anything you set your mind to, then you just have to be willing to have audacity to do those things. And so what I would do is I emailed, I think, probably 500 different websites um, to ask if I can get a writing position. I got accepted by Fansided, which was a Sports Illustrated affiliate Um which uh, gave me a dollar per 1,000 views on a website that averaged 1,000 views per article. So basically made a dollar per article on average, which is terrible. Um, but when I got the opportunity in the job, I thought, oh, my God, amazing. I'm a credentialed media member um, for the NFL. And they're like, no, that's not how it works. Like you have to get that credential now um, using us as your byline to get in touch with the Dolphins. Um, and the editor that I worked with explained to me that in the NFL, it's required that uh, the team puts all the PR directors uh, phones, uh, names and emails on the website. So I just called the PR director of the Miami Dolphins, Jason Jenkins, unfortunately, who passed away um, last year, uh, tragically, which is terrible. Um, but uh, this was 10 years ago, 2014, or basically 10 years ago. Um, so I called uh, every single day for two months before training camp every single day, I think I was doing as at that time, I was a waiter at a local restaurant. Um, after after college, my wife was still in college for one year and just had to make ends meet. Um, but uh, I just called every single day and I heard every objection possible from the uh, receptionist. Uh, Jason's at lunch. Jason's in a meeting. Jason's not available today. Jason's not in the office today. Jason's here. Jason's there. Um, and then finally, after two months of just being willing to hear no more than they were willing to say it, right? That was kind of my main thing was finally she said, oh, Jason's available. Um, and then they patched me through this this hold music, that classic like elevator music, do, 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 do. And then uh, bam, suddenly it's, hi, Jason Jenkins, Miami Dolphins, how can I help you? I said, Jason, Dolphins fan, PR, media, fan-sided, me. I don't know what I said. It was, I just was totally at a loss of words because I was, I was, I never actually thought I would get through to him. <laughs> I just thought I was just going to keep pushing and trying to make it happen. And, and he just said, okay, you're credentialed for Sunday. We'll see you there. And then I was able to go to training camp and I went to, you know, five Miami Dolphins games um, as a media member um, in person, which was incredible, a life-changing experience. Um, and uh, at that point, I think what I realized for the first time was that you really actually can do anything that you set your mind to if you're willing to do the work required for it. And I think that part is the piece that's left out of the most common statement, that you can, you can do anything you set your mind to if you are willing to do the work required. And I think The Obstacle is the Way was a really important book for me to kind of understand, like the amount of rejections um, that they gave me, I really felt like there was no amount of rejections I would take until they would say yes, because I, I was willing to hear a thousand. I was willing to hear an, an infinite amount of rejections before they would say yes, no, how, no matter how many times it took, no matter, no matter how much effort. And because of that, um, it really spurred me to become a much more successful entrepreneur in what I call audacity sales, just like the willingness to do the audacious things that most people are not willing to do, um, especially with what computer allows you to do by hiding behind a computer. Like I'm going in person, I'm meeting people face to face, I'm looking someone in the eye uh, and ensuring that they have to look me in the eye to say no, which is infinitely more challenging than answering a text or a phone call to say no. So that was something that was really important to me. And, you know, any younger people watching this, like 
you just be very audacious, be an advocate for yourself. And you learn that definitely as a, uh, a surgery patient as well, but you really have to be an advocate for yourself. It's really, really important. Um, the squeaky wheel gets oiled is, is one of my main, you know, long, like long-term beliefs. Everything is negotiable. Everything is uh, within discussion. It just has to be asked. You can't get anything if you don't ask. And, that, and that's something that I'm a really big believer of. And here's the thing, you know, just sales in general, you, you know, no is not a rejection. The timing was off or whatever. He was like, blow the kid off, blow the kid off. Right. Whatever. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Had nothing to do with you and what your objective was. He was a busy man. Right. So her job as the gatekeeper is to say no to you and keep you away. And at some point, she probably thought, I got to give, I got to at least put this kid through, let him, let him have his opportunity. So you literally probably wore her down just because of your tenacity that there had to be a level of respect for this kid who is tenacious and won't take no for an answer. So that's number one. And number two, and that's sales. It's not rejection. Keep going. Every no gets you closer to, and you're an exact example, gets you closer to the yes. The other thing that, and I'll just share another quick story. If you don't ask, the answer is already no, right? So we're and if we're NHL fans here in this house. My kids played hockey. And, um, you know, Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So I remember a friend of mine had was following James Clear before he wrote his book, Atomic Habits. He was a blogger and she loved him. And so he wrote the book. She says to me, you have to have him on your show. This was four or five years ago. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. So she sends me the link. I go in and he had this whole application to be on a podcast. She had a hundred thousand downloads. I wasn't even near that. So I thought, well, what the heck do I have to lose? So I wrote him this, I filled out the form with the real information, the stats of my, my, my show. And I, in the email, you know, that it was attached to, I said to him, listen, I read your book, loved your book. Here's how I'm using it personally. I have, you, you don't know me. Here's my stats. I would truly be honored for you to be on my show, but I understand that you have these criteria and boundaries. So no hard feelings. 20 minutes later, he responded personally and said, I would be honored to be on your show. Thank you for being so authentic and honest. And I, and, and I'm honored that you read my book and that you gave me such beautiful feedback. I didn't, I didn't try. How can I manipulate him? I thought I'm going to ask, I'm going to be me because I don't know how, who to be any, any other way. He was on my show and it was a beautiful show. The book is amazing. I'm still using it. I, I tell everybody you should be reading this book because it's that, that little mini change minor changes that could change the trajectory of your whole life right so again if you don't ask the answer's freaking no man so why aren't you just putting yourself out there and that's the tenacity that you shared that was beautiful and and i think these kids are missing that that oh you don't have to go to college oh and they're listening to the rhetoric out there instead of pausing and saying do i know what i want to do and if not let me at least move forward because with each forward step i'm learning something even if it's not exactly what i want to do long term but it builds on who we become you know now it's 61 right i am who i am from all of those ups and downs all of those silly mistakes those choices i didn't make and that choices i did make right so we are this beautiful tapestry but i think everybody looks for the destination instead of the journey and you said it at the on- onset this is the long game, man. It's not those transactional get in, get out, learn and duplicate what I do. It, duplicating what I do is not going to work for you, I assure you. So I think it's this the game we have to play. But I think we're only given part of the information. Right. Unquestionably, we're only given part of the information. I think the the reality has to come down to that. You have to be comfortable with 
as we noted already, defining what you specifically want and then taking the actions necessary to do it. Um, it's pretty unbelievable how how often people either one uh, expect things in a privileged sense that's just magically going to happen to you, like handed the silver dollar, handled handed the silver spoon, um, or that they automatically consider that someone else that achieved something that they wanted was handed the silver dollar, handed the silver spoon, when in fact, you have absolutely no idea what the circumstances of that scenario was. Um, it's just conjecture. And ultimately, that's a pretty common thing that human beings do. We, we just, we just believe, uh, something that would make us feel better, you know, out of ways for us to feel protected. And, and anyone that I could challenge just be more comfortable doing the uncomfortable things. The more uncomfortable you become, the more comfortable you are. And that's how it is. That's what it takes. Uh, and ultimately the, the uncomfortable things at the end of the day, you'll realize really aren't that uncomfortable. Once you get rejected a few times, once you get no a few times, once you lose a couple of deals, once you fail a few times, you just, you get it. You understand it. It's just a prerequisite to success. And ultimately the stakes are pretty low, right? I mean, you're not a surgeon. You're not a police officer. You're not a firefighter or an airline pilot. You're not an airline pilot that crashes a plane, kills 50 people like, oops, onto the next one. You're calling a lead for a marketing service. or you're going in person to a gym and trying to get them to sign up for your SaaS product. It's not that big of a deal if they say no, it's all good. You know, you're not going to ruin anyone's life um, and the stakes aren't that high. And that's not to hopefully dissuade you from realizing the impact you can make. It's just to hopefully be grateful that, you know, the stakes aren't that high. You know, my brother's an ER doctor in Ocala, Florida. Every day, his stakes are incredibly high. The life of human beings are in his hands every single day. I'm super grateful I don't have that in my hands. I still take my job very seriously. I take the coaching that I do very seriously. I think it's really important, but thankfully, it's not life or death. I don't want to have those scenarios. And anything, anyone that watches us that is in those life and death scenarios, you need to be consulting with people that are in that every single day, because that's an entirely different environment than what I'm used to. And I'm grateful for that, by the way. And I'm also grateful for you, if that's your scenario as well. And I think that's really, really important to understand because human beings in general raise the stakes of whatever they're in due to obviously being in their own individual self as if it's the highest stakes possible, but it's really not. And normally the way that I think about it is this is what the problem really is, but this is how we think the problem is going to be. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a really important key mindset, you know, for entrepreneurs and human beings. Yeah. Well, because what you think, right, that that unknown is worse in our head than in reality. Always, oh, absolutely. Always. A hundred percent. The other thing I, I, I crack it up about is the, um, you know, the, that you think you're that important. I laugh when I'm when I'm live with my clients, you know, training and, and we sit there. And my phone rings, you know, and I always have it on vibrate just because I have an, I have an elderly um, father. So you just, God forbid, right? If he calls, I pick up the phone. Sometimes he forgets I'm working, but whatever. Okay. Right. So that's the only time I will stop. It buzzes and people go, do you have to take that? And I go, no. And this is, I swear to God, Alex, I say, I'm not that important. (laughs) It's not like they're calling me because they have an organ that I have to go and transplant. I'm not that important. I could call them five hours from now because my my job is not a life and death. Yet I see people constantly on their phone. And 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 I challenge them, you know, at dinner, we do not bring phones to the dinner table, right? You're present, we talk, we chat, how was your day, right? We 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 decompress with each other. It's wonderful. Um, the, when you, when we answer the phone, like my dad calls, they go, mom, where are you having dinner? I go, it's grandpa. I got it. Like, right. You, you, again, you have to set the boundaries of what, but 
everybody is addicted to their phone and they think they're that important. We're not that important. Again, unless you're an ER doctor, like your, your, your brother. Yeah, absolutely. And you said something earlier. Uh, one of my favorite uh, like stoic lines is from Seneca, which is we often, we suffer more uh, in imagination than in reality. Um, and I love that framework of mind because your, your mind often punishes you. One of the greatest lessons I've ever learned from any entrepreneur was uh, at an event I went to in San Diego, probably like five years ago. It was a small mastermind. Um, for seven-figure businesses um, that ranged from coaching products to marketing agencies um, and a few other uh, different types of like physical product businesses as well. Um, and uh, they were just doing a mindset chat with this uh, guy named Dan Levens, really good dude. Um, and he was asking in the audience, is anyone, does anyone ever feel like they have that voice in their head that's their own worst enemy? Has anyone ever felt that way? And of course, everyone raised their hand because it's a common trope for a reason, right? Like people talk about, oh, cliches, but there's a reason why it's a cliche. It's because there's this common phenomenon around human beings in general that understand the idea of being the worst common enemy, your own worst enemy, which is not, you know, just entrepreneur specific. It's for everyone. It's for moms thinking that they're not good parents, or it's for brothers thinking they're not good sons, or it's for whomever thinking they're not good at X. It's not just entrepreneurs. It's it's every human being in general. And so he said, okay, let me ask you something. If I had a microphone to listen in only to the voice inside your head, the one that's the negative person, just that person, not you, not the one talking to me now, just the one inside your head, your own worst enemy, would I want to be friends with that person? And everyone had the same exact reaction, like, oh, no way, never. And then he went, then why the do you listen to him? And he doesn't curse. This guy doesn't curse. And it was so impactful. It was so great. He was, he was explaining like, if you would never allow someone to be in your inner circle close to you, uh, that would text you every day, talk to you every day, live in your house every day, live in your head every single day to talk to you like that. Why do you listen to them? And it was a fascinating, pragmatic view of a very emotional experience um, in a way that hopefully will allow people moving forward to whenever they hear that creep in, they kind of shut it down. And it's really interesting, you know, how five years later, um, I am 100% certain that I have significantly less um, negative communication in my mind, simply because I will just say, shut up, you know, just no, like, my, my inner confidence instead is so much greater than my, uh, my greatest fears or the person talking negatively to me that I don't even have that experience anymore. So like, I love speaking. It's probably my favorite thing to do. And people will ask me when I speak, like, oh, do you get nervous? I'm like, not at all. Like, I don't, it's the opposite. I get like crazy amped. Like I have to pace for like 20 minutes before I'm going into stage. Cause like, I'm, I have to make sure that I'm not going to go onto stage and just like burn out every ounce of jet fuel action and energy I have in three minutes. Cause I have an hour of speech to teach sales. And, yeah. um, and they ask me why. And I always talk about this thing that Dan said. It's like, because I know that I'm going to crush it, not because I'm worried that I'm not going to do well. And, and I've closed out that that version of my mind. And I think that's a really valuable asset um, for anyone listening to to really believe in that in, insight. And I'm, I'm a huge believer of it. Yeah. Oh, giggling. So two things. It's that old saying, you're, the mind is precious real estate, right? So who are you, who are you letting rent, rent in there, right? Be very, very discerning on the voice that you allow to park itself in your brain. So that, that's basically what you were saying, which I love. Uh, the other thing, I'm cracking up. I love to speak and people go, right. And I go, do I have to write? Can I just speak it? It's so much easier to speak it, right? I spoke at a conference that I was training one day 
And they were like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I have to leave. I've, I'm speaking at this conference. They're like, oh, how many people? I go, eh, a couple hundred, a few hundred. I, go, I don't know. I don't even know. And they were like, oh, my God. And I said, yeah. And they were like, what? What are you worried about getting up there? I go, oh, no, that's the easy part. I don't know what I'm going to wear. I go, I'm really stressing about what to pack. They looked at me and they go, you're kidding. I said, the speaking is the easy part because I know me. I know what I want to share. I know what I want to give the audience. That comes through loud and clear. But I want to make sure I look nice. They were like, you're a weirdo, right? So (laughs) isn't that the funniest thing? It's perspective that we speak for a living. So it's super comfortable. We are at a time, my friend. I love you. I love your energy. You're young. You are um, ambitious, but from this beautiful framework of, I got this, I can do this. And if I can, I'll learn, keep going. It, it, that's the mindset that I think we need, not even just as entrepreneurs, definitely as entrepreneurs, because we do, we can easily burn out, right? Trying to juggle everything. The end of the day, you have to design your life and that's what you profess. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I love your um, design uh, d- design that was the middle one and then do design is define design and then define do. design and do. Um, but I think we, we, we think we design, we do, but I think we were, we're chasing our tail with the do because we're not defining, which I think is real important out of the gate. So beautiful job, my friend. Um, I, I, yeah, I wish you so much success. You're, you're remarkable. You're fun. Um, you're, you can laugh at yourself and just really good perspective for a young person. So I'm, I'm proud of you for what that's worth. Uh, everyone, I think you need a little Alex in your life. So go to the website, which is prospectingondemand.com. If you have a question specific that you just want to have a a quick email chat with Alex, it's alex at prospectingondemand.com. And you have a beautiful free gift, which I will put in the link. You want to just tell everybody what it is in the Facebook group? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously this is the, you know, changing the sales game podcast. So uh, I want you to kind of see how I coach sales. I coach sales about the one call close methodology, and it's all about sales psychology and how to get paid on your first call. Uh, I'm going to give you that training. All you got to do is just join my Facebook group. It's called Seven Figure Sales Savages. The link will be in here. It's an automated thing. When you join the group, you automatically get it on Facebook. So would love to have you in the group and would love to be able to share that uh, training with you. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that with my peeps, Alex. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being on just, you know, again, so much great information. I highly recommend go back, listen to the episode. And if I were you, I would certainly take notes and get an idea of what that defining, right. Defining the, why can I get it? It's so simple. Define, design, design, do. design, and do. I remember the do because I like to do. That's where I come from. Um, but those three Ds are clearly easier for everybody else to remember. But I'm older than Alex, so give me a break, right? <laughs> <laughs> Alex, thank you again, and thank you for I truly, me. yeah, I appreciate our time together. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together. No matter where you are on your entrepreneurial journey, your career, whatever it is, I truly hope my guests and I. I help you define where you want to go. What is the trajectory of what you want your career or your business to be? You have full control over this. You have a choice to make. And I hope between Alex and I today that we gave you some tips, ideas, our stories, um, you know, the three D's that Alex shared gives you some idea or steps to take immediately after the show. Information is a beautiful thing. If you do nothing with it, it's simply information. 
take it, apply it, and man, oh man, see the magic that happens on the backside. I truly wish you an inspired week, and I hope that you will tune in next week to join me with my next guest. I love you all, and I wish you an inspired week, everybody. Have a great one. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.